0: You're listening to What's Work Got To Do With It, your go-to resource on all things workplace safety, health, and well-being. This podcast series invites you into the conversation as we discuss how our workplace conditions like work hours, occupational stress, job safety, and other issues affect our lives at work and at home. We go into the science behind it all and talk about what we can do to reduce work-related risks and promote well-being. This podcast is a production of the Oregon Institute of Occupation Health Sciences and Oregon Healthy Workforce Center and is produced by myself, Helen Shuckers, Nicole Gilfoy, Sam Greenspan, and Anjali Rubbish Babu. On this episode of What's Work Got To Do With It? We are celebrating Veterans Day. We wanted to essentially thank all of our veterans who served in the U.S. armed forces and we want to honor them today and each and every day for sacrificing and serving for our country. And to get things started, we have a guest speaker. His name is Roman Baca, and he is a veteran himself. And we will go into his story a little bit later. But today's episode is a very special one. We will be talking about how veterans are reintegrated into the community in terms of telling their stories of war through dance and art. And Roman Baca has started a dance company, and this has been a large passion project and career essentially for him in terms of giving back to veterans and how they can be seen in the community as they come back um, from situations of war and serving for our country. So we're gonna dive right in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Buman Baka is a classically trained ballet dancer and choreographer. In 2001, recognizing his desire to defend the defenseless, he took a hiatus from dance and enlisted in the United States Marine Corps, serving as a machine gunner and fire team leader in Fallujah, Iraq during the Iraq War. After the war, Mr. Baca returned to dance and co-founded Exit 12 Dance Company, which tells veteran stories choreographically to increase cross-cultural understanding and heal divisions. Exit 12 has delivered its programming in multiple conventional and unconventional performance spaces across the world. Alongside Mr. Baca's work with Exit 12, he is also an early career researcher at the Trinity Laban Conservatoire, a junior research scientist with the USAF-USN Research Unit, and a PhD candidate at York Street John University in the UK studying the intersection of dance and war. Earlier this year, Mr. Baca worked as an arts envoy with the US State Department to Nigeria, where he conducted creative workshops with paramilitary, police, and charitable organizations on arts and health. Mr. Baca completed his MFA at Trinity Laban and was a 2019 awardee of the Selma Jean Cohen Dance Lecture Award for his research into the dance and the military.
1: Thank you, Roman, for taking time out of your day to discuss your important work in supporting veterans. We're excited to learn about all the different creative initiatives you're engaging in to support veterans that are transitioning back into our communities, into the civilian life. Using art to tell stories creatively through different mediums is a powerful way to change lives. Also, you're taking an approach to reach folks in their margins to share their struggles and to heal. I'm excited to dive into all of the great work that you've been doing for veterans. Roman, you started Exit 12 Dance Company as a way to connect art with healing for veterans and to help them share their experiences in combat with the community through theater, dance, and writing. Can you talk more about Exit 12 Dance Company?
2: I'd be happy to. I was a dancer back in the day before I joined the Marine Corps. I love dancing, I love performing, I love being on stage, but I didn't feel fulfilled in the way that I was helping the world or I was being of service. And I wanted to be part of something greater. And so I joined the United States Marine Corps and consequently deployed to Fallujah Rock in 0506 as part of the war effort. Upon returning home from war, I wanted to talk about these profound experiences I had had and my Marines had had overseas. And one of my mentors off the cuff said, well, you should either write a book or maybe you should choreograph about it. And I thought, wow, what an interesting way to investigate these experiences would start putting them on stage. And so Exit 12 started as just a way for me to choreograph the experiences I had in war overseas, to show them to audiences, because I felt that the experiences we had had weren't the ones that were being shown in popular culture, media, et cetera. As we were going along and presenting these stories, like stories about a Marine on patrol in The desert and grasping to hope and love and courage to keep him safe to the unspoken words in letters from his loved ones brought to life on stage um, through dance and choreography. Uh, We were telling these stories and I felt that coming at this work from just my personal perspective didn't add the breadth of experiences that were being had on both sides of the war. Not only from the veteran family military perspective, but also from the people overseas that were affected by war. So we started doing dance workshops as a way to one, help veterans bolster their creativity, but also to elicit stories that were more robust, more diverse, and more inclusive of the experiences that could be had doing work in the military. And so Exit 12 has come to this place where it is a dance company that does workshops, not only movement workshops, but writing workshops with veterans to help them tell their stories. And then acts as a way that those stories can be put on stage and presented to audiences, particularly to provoke discussions about war.
1: That's powerful. Thank you. You know, the image of dancing veterans isn't something that comes to mind very often. Could you, you you know, your work clearly pierces some stereotypes around the military culture and the mindset. Could you say more about this? I think you're right. I think the image of dancing
2: veterans doesn't provoke an understanding of what that means initially. And of course, we don't have a way that we reach out to veterans that brings them into the studio. What we found is that working with creatives, working with artists on our side, dancers, poets, and then reaching out to veterans who wanna tap into that creativity in one of many ways, whether they're writing and wanna see their writing realized into a play or a choreo play or choreography, or they're maybe a visual artist or a musician, or they're a mover themselves. Um, we invite them into the studio and that's how we get started. We also go into communities that have large populations of veterans or into VA facilities and we work with veterans in the facilities. It's through these different avenues that our experience of who is a veteran has broadened quite significantly and we already knew but we solidified that a veteran can be more than just this typical picture of what we believe society thinks a veteran is, this robot that's trained to go overseas and kill. And what you find when you work with more veterans is not only is the person very diverse that decides to serve um, different backgrounds, different cultures, different ethnicities, different demographics, but The jobs that they do within the military are as diverse as well. Not only do you have the infantry, but you have caregivers, you have medical personnel, you have admin, you have accountants that have served in war zones doing these roles. And so it's our job to unveil those misconceptions and add a different conversation to the public.
1: That's so interesting, Roman. It makes me realize you're talking about sort of the confluence of several different types of occupations at once. And, you know, from the, from the dancers and the artists who are, who are supporting the communities, supporting the veteran communities, to the veterans themselves and the various occupational experiences that they have. I mean, it, it would make sense to most of us, I think, that a person who is serving as a healthcare professional in the theater of war is going to be very different than the theater of a, of a civilian hospital. How interesting to create a space for all of those areas of expertise to come together and really grow this community and help folks to heal. It can be hard for some people to look inside of themselves. Complicating this is the, is the military culture, which is often a don't ask, don't tell culture. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you're able to extract some of these Feelings that we would tend to not want to share in this in this forum? We
2: believe that these stories need to be told. And not only the very often heard story of a soldier's experience overseas, but the nuances that exist within those stories. You mentioned Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And I think one of the most powerful stories that we've told recently was the story of a Black gay Air Force airman Who served in Korea. We worked with him. He created a script and we developed a choreo play or a play that has words and acting, but also has dancing. It was set in a gay bar in Korea, one of the only gay bars that the military members could go to and be themselves, that was both welcoming to gay men and also gay military men. The story went on to tell an autobiographical account of how The gay bar was raided by the military police. And this veteran tells of how he was so scared serving underneath Don't Ask, Don't Tell, because not only could he get tossed out of the military for being caught at this club, but it would also have been the way that his family found out that he was gay. A very powerful story that we were able to tell because... Not only did he feel it was important for this story to be told with the current climate that's going on in the world, but we were able to tell it in a way that gave sensitivity to the subject while keeping the powerful underlining of how wrong of a policy Don't Ask, Don't Tell was.
1: And we have this approach to, you know, certainly most tragically to, you know, sexual identity and orientation but also to our, to our most intimate feelings that I would imagine would be shared across populations of veterans when they're faced with these life and death situations every day as part of their job, wow. So the art itself provides this wonderful opportunity for folks to realize that and, and to deal with it. So you're working on some initiatives to support veterans' mental health and reintegration into our communities and our workforce. Can you tell us more about the programs that you're engaged in?
2: What we are best at is working with veterans on the fringe, veterans who may not easily identify with the term veteran or may strongly identify with the term veteran and yet have a very powerful, nuanced story to tell, mm-hmm. uh, like the Air Force veteran we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, to give you an example, we just got back from a creative residency in Santa Fe, New Mexico. We were working with a former Marine, turned Army Special Forces Operator, turned Army Chaplain, turned Santa Fe Police Department Chaplain, who after all of that experience decided he wanted to help veterans. So he and his wife started a ranch in Santa Fe called Horses for Heroes. And they bring special operations veterans and other veterans onto the ranch and have them participate not only in mindfulness, spirituality, yoga, but also teaches them how to work with horses through just all training. And then a little bit of cowboy training as well. They get on the horses and they go like Russell steers. And so we were invited out to kind of just do a creative residency. And what we ended up doing was spending about three days sharing stories, sharing best practices of working with veterans in this way. Because even though we were working in two different mediums, horsemanship, spirituality, mindfulness, movement, spirituality, mindfulness, we found a lot of of similarities in what we were finding working with veterans. And so it it was very impactful being able to share those stories and hear their stories as well. Then we wanted to create, we wanted to put something together. And what we ended up doing was kind of telling a story through a Native American lens of the buffalo. And and the buffalo were a very powerful animal, but a very protective animal. And when threatened, they would circle up and they would put all the vulnerable population in the middle. And then the stronger, more robust animals would be on the outskirts and protect the vulnerable ones. And so we visualized that in in a dance film. A film crew came out. We were able to uh, work with horses and kind of parallel the visions of the horses being the buffalo and being protective of the dancers. And then parallel that with two veterans who were being military members outside of a circle, protecting the loved ones inside. But then flipping the lens and having the loved ones take over the protection role when those veterans got home. Hopefully we'll be able to release that film around Veterans Day. Another one of the initiatives we've been working on is a meeting I had today, more moving this initiative forward. It's gonna happen in the Hudson Valley in New York uh, with two partners. One is a fitness partner that works out of Newburgh with veterans and fitness. And one is an organization out of Northern New York called Clear Path for Veterans. They provide resources and assistance to veterans all throughout New York state. And what we're envisioning is a creative retreat for veterans in the Hudson Valley. To bring them into Newburgh uh, for three days to engage with poetry, writing, uh, movement, fitness, painting, uh, all aiming towards a public performance in that weekend. And what's great about this partnership is the ability for Exit 12 to partner with strong resources in the area that can further round out our offerings and give veterans a Deliverable of not only the creative arts, but resources that they can pull from, lessons learned in fitness that they can take home and help their day to day lives. I have one more if you're okay for it. Please do. Uh, The most exciting one, well, one of the most exciting ones is with the Intrepid Air, Sea, and Space Museum in New York Harbor. It's an aircraft carrier that they have turned into a cultural mecca of education. And it's one of the places that we've visited many, many times, starting in 2011. We've performed on the deck during Fleet Week. We had an evening performance that was an all exit 12 performance for our audiences. And a couple of years ago, we did a performance below decks where we brought veterans in, did a dance workshop with them, and then turned that into a public performance piece that we were able to do alongside some of the Intrepid's uh, initiatives for veterans. Well, they've been such a great partner We decided to work together on a new initiative where we're going to develop a long-scale workshop on the Intrepid itself, where veterans will come for multiple days to engage in creative workshops aimed towards a public performance. And so what that means is they'll come to the ship every day, we'll move, we'll create, we'll tell stories and turn those stories into some sort of piece that we can put on stage. And then the public will be able to see it uh sometime in 2023 in a uh, public performance
1: wow what a one these are all wonderful examples of how you've been able to scale this intervention um for veterans and i you know it there's so much task work involved with that it's just really impressive that you've been able to do that i do wonder what is it like for those participants who take their stories to an audience is that a cathartic experience is it can you describe that for us
2: I think with Exit 12, we also want to be very sensitive with the population that we're working with and the stories that we're working with. And so with our Air Force veteran who did the Korean play, choreo play, he was very passionate about getting his story out and felt that it was one of the most important things he's done. not only was it very hard for him to do because it's opening himself up and being very vulnerable, sharing this powerful story. But for him, like you said, it was extremely cathartic to be able to release that, to be able to tell people that story. For those veterans that feel that their story might not resonate or may resonate in wrong ways with the public or that may not just want their story shared, we're very sensitive to that as well. And often we find ourselves pivoting so that we can include that individual in a very powerful way without making them feel uncomfortable, vulnerable, or a target for any sort of things that might come up had they shared their story in a public forum. So we are very sensitive and champion the stories that the individuals want shared publicly, but we'll also closely safeguard those stories that people do not want shared.
1: It's a tremendous responsibility you must feel All it is, is knowing that when I started
2: this work, I was putting my own stories on stage and how scared I was for the public to see those stories. And so it only bodes well for me to deal with their stories with the same care that I deal with my own and to be the torchbearer for this work and to be an example of someone who has been vulnerable and has told their story. It hasn't always been received in a positive light, and yet I still feel these stories are very important to tell because of the discussions that they create.
1: We always like to leave our listeners with some nuggets, some resources, and some key takeaways. I know that you've done a little bit of, of work that involves Shakespeare, that you are you know, certainly working with the National Intrepid Center of Excellence and the other sort of aspects of bringing new perspectives to the table. Could you share with us something that if you could give one message or one takeaway to our audience, what would it be?
2: Absolutely. I think there's a lot of research that is converging around this topic of of storytelling, of theater, of performance, of dance. Like you said, two of the most prominent people that are getting research out into the public are Stefan Wolfert, who created a a program called Decruit where he uses Shakespeare to help veterans tell their stories and he's developed partnership with a couple researchers and they've published some papers. So if you go into Google Scholar, or Stefan Wolfert, you'll be able to find some very powerful evidence around work that's being done in theater and veteran stories. Another very good resource for you if you're interested in this subject, is the National Intrepid Center for Excellence, which is connected to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. They have two researchers that have been doing quite a bit of work. Uh, The most prominent one is Melissa Walker, who has been doing the masks that you might've seen in National Geographic. However, one of our very good friends, Alison Winters Fisher, who's now a doctor, is a dance therapist by training, and she's on staff at the National Intrepid Center for Excellence. And just released some research of her own around the benefits of dance and the military. They are doing some extremely powerful work at NICO. We were able to visit there a couple of years ago and share our work with them and them share their work with us uh, and we've We've been around uh, Allison for quite some time, and I cannot recommend her work enough it's a very good uh, piece of research that is underlining the importance of this work.
1: Brilliant. Roman, we'll be sure to make sure that our listeners have an opportunity to to find links to those two resources. Thank you so much. The work you do is so important. There's a balance with science and art. And we cannot forget that serving in the military is an occupation, a job that can bring physical, mental, psychosocial impacts on an individual that can affect these people and their families. And when they're returning back, Home and reintegrating back into our communities may be the perfect time to identify these issues early and to help get folks into programs that can support their their well-being. The home and work life is very much connected and this is a good example that the lines are blurred and that there needs to be continued support of working populations like our military service members and when they return home as veterans. Your work in using the arts to share stories are impactful on our communities and we are very inspired. Thank you, Roman, for this wonderful discussion today.
2: It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: I hope you enjoyed our episode today. Roman
0: Baca was such a wonderful speaker reminding us that we do need to be mindful of reintegration of veterans into the workforce as well as to address areas of how veterans can be supported regarding areas of mental health and thanks again Roman for the wonderful interview on our podcast today we also thank Nicole Guilfoy for hosting and until next time we will catch you on the next episode this likely will be our final episode of the year but we will have a lot more content in 2022 thanks so much for your support I wanted to spend a few minutes to talk about some resources we have available through the Institute, a new website called the Center for Supportive Leadership that was developed by Dr. Leslie Hammer and her team. It is a website that houses supervisor training programs specifically to support employees' health and well-being through improvements of leadership support. And they are free and they touch on different areas of emotional and instrumental support, creative work-life management, team effectiveness processes across different industries and they are stemmed from the original work of Dr. Leslie Hammer and Dr. Ellen Kosick on family supportive supervisor behaviors. Each of these online trainings are available to access on the Center for Supportive Leadership website as well as tools can be downloaded there as well. There are three specific um, trainings that are geared towards veterans and military support. There's one on veteran support which is Trying to increase support and retention of veterans in the workplace. There's another one on sleep support, engaging in family and sleep supportive training for leaders in the armed forces, as well as resilient support, helping leaders enhance the readiness and resilience of their soldiers. I will make sure to link all of these resources in the show notes below, so feel free to check them out. Also, we will be hosting a 2021 Fall Symposium, a virtual online all-day symposium on Friday, November 19, 2021 from 9 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Pacific Time. This event is sponsored by the Institute's Oregon Healthy Workforce Center and Portland State University's Occupational Health Psychology Program. The topic will be addressing work-life challenges and integration in the context of COVID. And the full agenda and details on how to register will be posted in the show notes. And it is a wonderful event. But for some reason, if you do miss it, we do offer the recordings online post event as well for those that are listening to this podcast after the date of the symposium. Do you have an idea for a podcast episode? Well, we want to hear from you on important workplace issues that you would like to discuss. Email us at ochhealthsci at ohsu.edu. That's O-C-C-H-E-A-L-T-H-S-C-I at ohsu.edu. Subscribe to the Oregon in the Workplace blog or follow us on our social media channels on either Facebook or Twitter to stay updated on current research, resources, news, and community events.